I feel like it should be one of their antagonists from their own story right. who, who comes in to ruffle some right. feathers. So, you Brutus. know, we've got, uh, we, we could have it's like... Brutus. Is, is Brutus? It yeah, it's Brutus. Brutus. Yeah, we, so we can have the Brutus. Etu Brute thing. Because that means yeah. that we get to team up with yeah. the bad guy from the first movie. We need to go and yeah. call on Julius Caesar. Because oh, yeah. all that roads start leading to Rome. Rome. All roads lead to oh. Rome. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay, so we have our subtitle. So it's OSP Time Heist colon All Roads Lead all to roads Rome. All Roads Lead to Rome. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I am Blue, as always. I'm joined by Red. Hello. And, of course, Indigo. Oh, uh, hi. This is the first time I'm putting you on the spot <laughs> oh, to say oh hi. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Join you, us. You've been hiding for too long. It's only Step fair into that... the light, my sister. Only... <laughs> Let me return to my inter- uh, podcast cryptid corner, please. <laughs> All right, well. It burns. We'll, 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 we'll hear more from Indigo in the second half of the show when she's doing the questions. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all right. All right. That, that can go. I banish uh, you from whence to... you came. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got five hours of sleep. It's been a lot. It, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We're already off to a rip-roaring cross-talking start. Um, it's it's been, a, it's been a busy couple weeks. Um, yeah. We'll get you into this that. in the process of like talking about our episodes, but I, I had the, uh, uh, I guess, unenviable task of, of putting out yesterday, or no, two days ago. God, what is time? On Friday, last Friday. <laughs> Put out yeah. a video of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. The game only came out a week and two days beforehand, so that was a hell of a turnaround for me. Usually yeah. we're working like weeks and months in advance, but oh boy, that was a crunch. Yeah, serious um, crunch so, time on that. Yeah, that, that was that. But uh, yeah, uh, Red, how, how are you feeling over there? <laughs> oh, well, you know, <laughs> you see there's this video I've been trying to finish in time for Christmas, and you'd think that wouldn't be hard because we've still got like a whole month, but oh, that's really not how it works. Uh, and every night I'm like, all right, I'll just down a lot of coffee. I'll just power through the rest. There's only a few minutes and, and well, I always make good progress, but I never finish. It's, it's almost Sisyphusian in a way. Uh, so the, the, the short of this is that I got maybe five hours of sleep last night. Uh, I made a lot of progress. But I did not get that much sleep. And uh, I, I don't know if anyone in the audience uh, ha- has that kind of like very selective insomnia where if you have a thing that you need to be functional for the next day, that alone can keep you from getting to sleep for a while because <laughs> you're just I, like lying there in the dark like, yeah. it's going to be really bad if I don't get to sleep in the next 10 minutes. It's going to be worse if I don't get to sleep in the next <laughs> hour. It's oh, it's bad. Yeah. It's bad. I, but well, I'm here I'm today. Imagining- Oh, yeah, I'm just imagining the John Mulaney bit where it's like, I've never animated a video that long before, and then I woke <laughs> up at noon in a cold sweat. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> More like, uh, I, I lay in bed until 7 a.m. staring at the ceiling, thinking, I could be doing a lot more work if I just gave up and, and got up now, <laughs> just didn't sleep. Yeah. I could be so much more productive if I just didn't have to sleep. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I if I get a little off topic today, that's not my uh, normal charming off topicness. That is uh, that's the sleep depth talking. <laughs> yeah, it's not that we're just being fun, scatterbrained. It's that we are actually deeply tired in this in this time of year. <laughs> it has been. And everything's a mess. It's uh, been a. It's been a. Uh, it's been an interesting eight months. It's been. It's been. <laughs> One week since you looked at me, but yeah, it's uh, 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matt, I, I want to talk to you about something that is that is very much more pleasant than than any of that. Um, a topic oh, yeah. near and de- uh, near and dear to both of our hearts, which is pants. Tell me yes. about tell me about what's been new in pants because we actually are both on on the same page here with with just pants. Lucky the brand pants jeans. Situation. So yeah, good. yeah. I uh, read. I I got you on this, and I have fully converted you. you to how amazing Lucky Brand pants are, and this is not sponsored. This is this just is really not truly something that needed to be shared because we Cyan wish Lucky was Brand like, you know, Blue, you you might enjoy like the, like the really high quality pants, and like I I very much like wearing jeans because I I hate wearing shorts. It feels very uncomfortable. I like for my legs to feel like it has a big like pants hug. So yeah. I tried this pair of Lucky Brand jeans, and I'm like, oh, this shit rules. So I got like <laughs> three more pairs, and I'm like red like slides a folder across the table like you gotta take a look you're at gonna want to look at this yeah uh because the deal is um i uh it, it's really hard to shop for pants just in general but especially if you are a girl and shaped certain ways it's just it's hard they only fit in certain places and i i don't like shopping in person especially now what with the apocalyptic pandemic situation and such so mostly i shop online and the trick about women's sizing is they are 100% bullshit. None of them are consistent. They don't mean anything. They're just random numbers. They, they, ugh. It's like, you can, you can be wearing a size 8 in one place, and a size 12 in another place, and a size 14 in the same place, but in a different style. It just, it's stupid. They don't just let you use what your actual measurements are. It's whatever. Uh, so I was like, for a while, I was like, okay, there's one, there's one style of jeans <laughs> that I know work, and they're from Old Navy, and I like them, and I'm just going to get, like, three pairs of those. But, you know, pants wear out, and Old Navy was like, hey, you know the sweetheart cut? Uh, we've changed it. Now it's the boyfriend cut, and it also doesn't look at all the same. <laughs> and I was like, ugh. So I was like, oh, I need more pants, and, and Blue swoops in out of the blue, like, you're never going to believe this. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, TLDR is, uh, they're, they're good, they're good pants. They're stretchy they're pants. And, and they're easy to wear. <laughs> and they only stretch one direction. They only stretch laterally, which is this like is... the perfect thing. So again, this is not sponsored. This is just, it's so not, sp- we've really spent like two minutes like on a pants, non-sponsored <laughs> bit is... about pants. <laughs> this is very riveting, but since we are not currently sponsored by Lucky Brand Jeans, I think we do have to move on to the actual content of the podcast. Oh, Any longer, no. we have to send them an invoice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, you're anyway, welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the past uh, past two weeks, we've had a trope talk on loners and a realism review of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I can contribute intelligently to this conversation because I got on my shit and I actually watched the episode Yay! this week, and I was a way better friend than I was uh, on last episode <laughs> when I, I skipped over the wild hunt uh, yeah. inadvertently, only realizing it half an hour before. We we got to recording so red tell us about loners <laughs> yeah uh so uh, this is actually a little bit tricky because uh a lot of the time I, I like make and schedule the trope talks a few weeks in advance so it's been like over a month since i've actually worked on that video um but yeah uh, uh as discussed in the video the uh loner archetype is possibly the generally coolest heroic archetype i think most people will agree on that it's a, it's like the go-to character that everybody likes out of the ensemble cast everyone's like yeah man batman wolverine i, I love that guy who says he's a loner who don't play by no rules and also uh chronically adopts every unattended child <laughs> young adult and other adult in the in a 15 mile radius and uh yeah it, it was a it was an interesting 
trope to analyze because unfortunately uh, I was starting from the basic premise of, okay, well, what's the definition of a loner? Oh, that doesn't apply at all. Okay. What else? Can, <laughs> what else have I got? Yeah. Um, th there's a lot of tropes that like I try and kind of quantify and, and build out axiomatically, but fundamentally they, they boil down to, they've just got that certain something, you know, and that's mm -hmm. ugh, certain something is difficult to analyze. I, I'm, I'm working on another it, trope that kind of fits the same category. In general. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think this was an example of, you know, a trope that is 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 hard to pin down um, mm. because when, when you, you know, you break up the different categories of loners, it's like on, on face value, a lot of these archetypes sound very similar, but the difference yeah. between a working loner and an acting loner is very different in practice. And I think yeah. in the end, it is one of the tropes where because it is fundamentally like, look at this thing that is so cool. Execution becomes everything. So Red, the point that you made that I really, really liked was that there is a fine line between a legitimate, like cool, grounded, interesting loner character and a Mary Sue. Because yeah. if you if you cross if you cross that that very thin line that can be hard to see if you're not you know looking at your work critically you can easily just write that and then that's not what you want but mm -hmm. it's it's very much a trope where execution is everything and even if you follow you know the archetypes in so far as there you know there are like Linnaean uh, <laughs> uh, taxonomy of of loader archetypes uh, to follow it's it's tough <laughs> yeah I mean it, it's. It's difficult. The thing is, I like talking about the the writing behind a lot of these tropes, but in so many cases, fundamentally, the thing that makes the character work is the acting. Because I discuss a lot of, you know, yeah. visual media, uh, like movies, TV shows, voice acting. And in a lot of cases, the thing that really, really sells the character is the performance. And like, it doesn't matter how well yeah. written the character is if the performance doesn't sell it. And actually, I remember uh, like a year or two ago, I talked your ear off specifically about this because I just started watching Dragon Ball Kai where they'd like redubbed yeah. everything. And suddenly all these characters who I thought were goofy as all hell were like, wait, Frieza's scary? What happened? Yeah, um, that's right. They replaced the Frieza voice. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than being like, all right, boys, I'm going to show you something really cool, but I'll need a countdown. Suddenly he's like, you see, Lord Vegeta, this is how I killed your father all those years <laughs> ago. And it's like, oh, whoa, what just happened? So, you know, like I, I, I like talking a big game about like, oh, well, if you write it like this, it'll work. And if you write it like this, it won't. But practically speaking, a good performance can sell almost anything and a bad performance yeah. can ruin almost anything. Like, yep. doesn't matter how nuanced the character is on paper if nobody like thinks hard enough to look because the performance isn't selling them on it. But with loners especially, uh, there, there really is... I mean, the, the danger zone is that the trope is so cool. Everybody loves cool tropes. Everyone wants to write a cool trope. And uh, if the author thinks the character is as cool as they're, they're trying to get the audience to think the character is, um, counterintuitively, that usually makes the character doesn't come across as all that cool, you know? Like, uh, I think it's like if the, if the author uh, thinks the character is already cool, they don't see what they have to, have to actually get across to make it seem like the character is cool, because they're already yeah. like, oh man, so cool! So yeah, it you becomes, know, they, they, can't you see what I see about this character yeah. without actually doing any of the work to you know to make that apparent? And it's right. And I I hate you know going back to show don't tell because that's the thing that you know writing instructors and people say all the time.
time, but don't mm -hmm. necessarily explain what the significance of that is. Um, yeah. And I think uh, uh, one way to kind of reframe that advice is make sure that there's not some very important piece of this puzzle that's in your head that you never bother to convey to the audience. So yeah. if this character is cool because you think they're cool, but you don't follow through on any of the cool things, then you find yourself <laughs> with a problem. So, yeah. um, you know, for all of the the worth that there is in digging through the tropes themselves, I think, you know, this is a great example of of how much of the process of storytelling is beyond the trope it's in the execution mm -hmm. it's in the performance um and it it shows the you know the importance of these kinds of tropes but also the the limits of them and how um you know very rarely in the world of creative storytelling is anything or any kind of storytelling you know are hard and fast rules always you know accurate this is meant to be uh, a framework and a lens through which to look at things um yep rather than a do these things and it'll be great because like yeah Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings and it was great and then everyone wrote Tolkien again but it wasn't great because yep. they like missed the things that made I sign and I were watching Lord of the Rings extended editions uh, yesterday yes. and I was like uh -huh. wow this shit slaps no wonder a century of authors copied this point for point <laughs> yep uh if I can um if I can rephrase show don't tell a little bit I, I think a, a yeah. more productive way to look at it is demonstrate don't tell because mm. When people hear show, don't tell, they think, oh, I, I'm not allowed to use my words. Uh, and that's not at all yeah. how it happens. Um, but like demonstrate, don't tell is more about getting a, like you need to get across the character that you want to portray. But that doesn't mean you can only show them like stoically reacting to stuff. But no, you need to you need to let them show off their character. And and that's not the same thing as the author showing off the character. Uh, yeah. The author showing off the character is like, oh, look at this guy. So cool. Oh, what a badass. The, the character showing off is you put the character in a situation and they react in a way that demonstrates how cool they are. And that. Yeah is where the performance comes in. Um, I, uh, unsurprisingly, uh, in the video, I used a lot of Kurosawa examples because, you know, Yonjimo, Sanjuro, they are very, very, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, iconic uh, loner performances. And a lot of that is uh, the actor is really good at doing a lot with a little and like yeah. getting across a lot with barely speaking. I mean, you know, yeah. Mandalorian got it from somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and... You know, I, I think I can't understate how important a good performance is when you are demonstrating the character, because obviously showing it doesn't really get that across. Show is kind of flat. Demonstrate, I think, mm -hmm. is a little more useful way yeah. of looking at it. And and sometimes you see the problem where people hear the word show and think, oh, tell, but in a longer and more convoluted way. Ugh, and that's yep. also not <laughs> necessarily what you no, want. No, not helpful. But you know, mm. but then there are places where, you know, very expository, you know, narration uh, gets the job done. So, you know, it, it's it's a very, very complicated set of, of overlapping yeah. problems. And, you know, we're talking about loners here. So uh, before we move on, Red, is there anything that we want to uh, address on uh, on loners? Or do we think we've uh, uh, opened and, and shut the discussion for all time? <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think we've covered it pretty good. Although I suspect there's going to be some common ground in the whole, oh, this character's so cool, you guys. Look at how cool they are when we jump to our next topic. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah uh, so our next topic is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is uh, uh, truly a video that I did not want to make. 
and mm. I didn't realize that I would need to make until fairly shortly before the game actually came out because I thought, oh, like, you know, Assassin's Creed Origins, you know, Egypt, so great, you know, Ptolemaic setting, you know, late antiquity or um, uh, late classical period before the empire, like my bread and butter, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like, oh, look at this, you know, classical Greece, this is like where I got going, this is so my fantastic. Jam. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it's, it's Vikings. I, I did my Viking Age video. I, I can leave it be. People can make the connections if they need to. And then, and then they put out this ad for, uh, for Assassin's yes. Creed Valhalla, which was a three-part video series called Unleash Your Inner Viking. And without going into too much detail, um, do not watch it. Just just don't. It. The fundamental premise is a bunch of comically inept losers show up at a camp in the woods where they play Assassin's Creed Valhalla and learn how to solve their problems by acting like Vikings. In practice, what this means is giving into toxic masculinity and solving your problems through aggression and violence, such as throwing a burning hot coffee cup in a barista's face because they got your order slightly wrong instead of going to any other coffee shop if, you know, clearly this is such a problem, maybe don't solve it with violence. Um, and just a bunch of other things where the moral is like, be like a Viking, be toxically masculine and aggressive, it'll be great. And then Yellow and I had a very long conversation and I was like, ah, shit, I'm gonna need to make a video about this game, won't I? And I'm glad <laughs> I did, even if I didn't want to. Um, so I, I poured through all the material, you know, played the game, wrote the script, put out the video, and... I, the more I think about it, the more negative my thoughts on this game turn, because for all the things that they do well, there are some really fundamental things that they got very, very poorly. Um, ultimately, mm -hmm. for, for all that I was able to praise about, like, oh, look, they showed uh, the settlement and, you know, this this Viking, you know, band of, of Scandinavians coming to England to make a new home for themselves. That's great. But the way that the game mechanically and through the story presents it is that the only way for you to build your new home is to murder and steal from the other people who were there first. So you cannot trade to get resources. You can only get it from burning down monasteries, which is pretty <laughs> messed up. So it supports a very colonially apologetic narrative where it's like, the, oh, you know, look, we, we had to do it to him. We, we had to. You know we had to do it to him. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of really messed up stuff in there. And there's yeah. there's a, a blog post actually that came out on the same day as my Valhalla review from uh, Dr. Devereaux. And, and I can uh, get a link for the show notes. Um, I, I retweeted it a couple days back. Um, but it was basically a, a long and much more in-depth post than what I was able to put for uh, for my realism review because it's about a 30-minute read. Um, and it was going through all of the ways in which the narrative does some really, really nasty things like portraying, you know, the Vikings as, you know, tough and gruff and awesome-looking um, because they are just so cool, you guys. And all of these Christian kings, uh, in the case of the characters of, of Oswald and um, Cheowulf, are, you know, weak and losery and, you know, inept, not in addition to being Christian, but in the case of Oswald, because he is Christian, he is a loser who can't do anything. So he needs you, the big, you know, brawny Viking yeah. to come in and solve all his problems. That is messed up. So there's a <laughs> lot of just really like ambient nastiness that this game slips in and doesn't really question um, in a way that if this was, you know, a lot of other groups would be like, wait a minute, this is this is colonialism and this is kind of really nasty. But the game's like, no, it's cool. You're a Viking. You're a badass. You do you, queen. And it's like, no. I, I, I don't want to like cut in because I, I haven't played this game because I, I don't have it. Uh, so my, my experience with this is very minimal. But from what I've heard about it, it sounds like at its core, what this game did is a thing that a lot of games do where they, they start with a basis of like, semi-historical accuracy, and then they supplement according to the rule of cool, where you can mm -hmm. put in something as long as it's cool. But the thing is, cool is not an unqualified descriptor. 
cool mm-hmm. means a lot of different things. And yeah. in this case, it seems like the definition of cool that they were working off of was this very specific space of cool tropes affiliated with Vikings, which, you know, is like, oh, yeah, uh, social Darwinists, the strong survive. We we take yeah. what we want because no one can stop us. And the thing is, it's a power fantasy. Power fantasies are always yeah. cool for the people they appeal to. So what this means is that, like, Assassin's Creed has always supplemented according to the rule of cool. It's just in this case, I, I think possibly without even really intending to to they they tapped into this space of quote-unquote cool tropes that just had so much grossness just attached that if you if you don't really look at it critically you might not even notice um yeah and that's the thing is that in a lot of cases people will look at it and think well what's what's wrong about that because it very much fits in with an understanding of scandinavian culture in the viking worlds that we have been given to us through media and through you know like other sources over over time and the assassin's creed games are usually a space where you know they they go in and sometimes you know really look critically at the picture of this world that we are given Mm -hmm. and correct it in ways that are you know much more accurate um so there's there's a lot of instances where it's just you know a harmless piece of historical inaccuracy and that's fine but this game gives a lot of cover to the more unseemly aspects of the viking fandom because this game's vikings are tattooed you know all over um they have very you know specific styles of 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 braided hair and and undercuts which is not a viking (laughs) era you know authentic hairstyle no one was doing that before like the 1900s so you know this, this game's aesthetic of what the vikings are is uncomfortably similar to you know hate groups in the 40s and into now in a way that it didn't have to be because neither of those things with with the tattoos and the haircuts have any basis in the vikings they just chose to put it in because that's what people think of so this game reinforces pre-existing stereotypes rather than breaking them in a way that it sometimes does and and some of the comments that i got in the video were like oh you know why are you being a killjoy these games were were never accurate you know it's a video game why why does it matter and to some degree you know yeah it is just a video game but this this entry with valhalla is so much worse at what it does than the other games because it is rule of cool to the max it it doesn't take anything critically and everything that is cool is thrown in this game so the picture that it paints is very very messy in a way that you know it usually isn't even uh even with assassin's creed 4 which is like you know pirates so cool so awesome it doesn't have as much you know cultural weirdness with it because pirates are so much better attested than vikings where we have so many more sources about it and there's not as much of a religious overtone with pirates because you know everyone's kind of you know catholic or protestant but no one really talks about it all that much because it doesn't super matter but with the vikings the element of paganism is a huge part of it and it is a huge unknown because we we don't have you know, 8th century or 9th century Norse sources about, you know, their religion. We only have Christian sources about how nasty it is and later Scandinavian sources from like three centuries down the line talking about like, oh yeah, remember when we were pagan? I don't because I wasn't there, but I'm going to talk about it. So it it, it it has the issue of taking this this character archetype of viking and putting so much cool stuff into that whereas usually they're able to offload the like gamey fun rule of cool stuff onto the assassin part of it so like Mm -hmm. Ezio 
you know, he's not filling any Renaissance archetype. Like, yeah, he's a nobleman, but like, what do noble people do? You know, they're a banker. Nothing, cool. mostly. He's a banker. <laughs> he owns a villa. Great. That's that taken care of. But all of the other stuff, you know, the killing, the stealing, the everything else, that's the assassin stuff. But with Valhalla, the Viking and the assassin stuff blends together in a way that makes it really hard to actually recognize what's history and what's not. So, you know, I don't know if I, if I made myself very clear. And part of the problem is that this is such a messy issue that it's hard to actually, you know, speak clearly about it because there's so many disparate pieces going on but yeah this game just frustrates me so much because they did so much well which means they clearly did their homework but then chose not to put a lot of it in the final game just because oh it'd be cooler if we did it this way instead yeah. so uh, i don't, I, I don't like wanna... it and i'm not going to finish it because it's so long and so dumb i, I don't want to take us over time but uh again i had like just a couple thoughts on this and it's um the, the thing is the people i've seen like reacting very strongly to this specific kind of criticism which is like guys yeah it, it's cool but it's cool in a really gross way is like i've seen a lot of people taking that extremely personally um like uh like it's an affront to their coolness and it's like guys mm -hmm. guys Nobody was ever cool by pretending to be somebody cooler than them. You gotta be cool on your own merits. <laughs> Saying that this game is uncool doesn't mean you're uncool. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I hope that is, like, point There are a lot of ways in which the Vikings were super really cool, but this game doesn't lean into those aspects and instead leans into, yeah, burning down monasteries, taking down castles, fighting the, the you know, single-handedly, you know, toppling all of these, you know, kings and stuff because they're weak and Christian and we're cool and Norse pagan. And it didn't have to lean into to those tropes to paint the Vikings in a, you know, quote unquote, cool way. And everything that, you know, every conversation that I have about this game leads me to the conclusion that they should have picked any other time period, any mm -hmm. other setting, but 8th or sorry, 800s Vikings was just such a mistake because they boxed themselves into a corner where they are working with highly touchy subjects with very little primary source documentation to actually go on in any meaningful way that they just put themselves in such a losing position that they should not have made this game. Also, I, I really think that this game was just a mistake. Yeah, uh, nitpick. Uh, I've seen the armor designs in this game. Uh, oh, it's And trash. I think anyone who's ever worn a leather jacket would know that even one leather jacket means you're not dodge rolling anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Three stacked leather jackets pretty much guarantees yeah. that you're not moving your shoulders. So... That, that's the real, that's the part where my suspension of disbelief breaks. I can take all the pagan stuff. I, I can take, okay. So with, uh, yeah, the, the, the leather armor is is one of many problems with the, the visual aesthetics in this game. But at the risk of going on and on and on, uh, we should probably uh, move into the announcement sections. So a uh, couple things. Um, first is um, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Oh God, it is. Please, uh, for the love of your family and everybody else and the whole wide world, stay home, celebrate with your household. It's really bad and, you know, even small trips here and there can be vectors for more disease spread and we just don't need that right now because we're breaking yeah. records left and right and the people who are you know spending their thanksgiving in hospitals working to keep us all safe really don't need that so no. you, if you have the choice please 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 just celebrate with your household you know you will be glad you did thank you for you know keeping others in mind and, and being considerate to those around you just remember uh the point of thanksgiving is to uh reunite with loved ones uh who you haven't seen in a while so i understand the temptation but remember you want to be able to do it next year too so yeah <laughs> how about this year don't so you can do it for many more years after this yeah 
so uh, uh, after Thanksgiving is Black Friday, but um, for us, Black Friday actually starts today. Um, <laughs> that was a voice well, crack and a half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> today? We, we, we've got um, a big old sale on our Crowdmade um, website where you can find our Artemis and Apollo and our Ares and Hermes pins. Again, if you miss them the first time, uh, they're in stock. Um, a limited supply. It's not It's not a limited pre-orders like last time. So if you missed the pins before and you want to you wanna grab them, now's your chance after they sell out. They are fully gone forever. Um, so give those a look. We also have unlimited stock, you know, buy as many as you want, uh, two new mugs uh, on the store, which uh, we, we purpose crafted for the holiday season. Um, yeah. They are red and blue accent mugs. So the handles are red and blue. The inside is, is, is red or blue, depending on the mug. The red mug is a... Um, kind of skyline of, of myths with uh, Mount Olympus, uh, the, the journey to the West Mountains, Jormungandr, the, the world serpent, um, and then uh, Yggdrasil in the background. And then the blue yep. mug is a bunch of different famous buildings from history. So there's like Colosseum, Acropolis, Samurai Castle, Hagia Sophia, um, the, the Duomo, of course, Big Dome. Um, so those are really, really cool, um, and we think you'll you'll like them a bunch. Uh, yeah. One for you, one for Pal, or both for you if you want to, you know, like double fist tea or some nonsense. I know All I would. All for you. Um, so those are on the store. We hope that you uh, we hope that you enjoy them. Um, yep. And then lastly, in uh, two weeks, uh, we will be on uh, the stream of our boy Tim. Hello, future me. He's doing yeah. a charity stream uh, on the fourth and fifth, twenty-four uh, hour stream um, where he'll be playing Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and we will be uh, jumping in to uh, have fun and presumably sass talk uh, oh, his skills. Uh, although I, I cannot sass because I've been in that hot seat. It is not fun. Uh, yeah. Um, so that'll be great. Uh, please consider uh, showing him some love and, and going over there to check out that stream. But if that is all the announcements that we have, I think we can move into the question section. Yeah. And that brings us to our Q&A portion of the podcast. We've had a lot of fun stuff to talk about this week, but now we get to talk about the fun stuff that all of you listeners out there have requested. All of the questions today come from the Ask OS Pod channel on Discord. If you'd like to ask a question for the podcast, you can hop over to that channel, drop your cue in there. I read through all of them and pull them and we'll answer as many as we can. There are so, so many in there because you guys are so great. Uh, and so I'm sorry that we can't get to all of them, but I hope that the questions that we present are a fun little cross-section for you today. This first question comes from one of our patrons. If you want to... Oh, oh, oh Blue just sent me a photo. <laughs> I assume it's of Cleo. <laughs> yes. It's, it's what are you a Cleo doing, picture. <laughs> it's a Cleo picture. Well, she is extremely cute, but... <laughs> right? It's going to be fun hearing all the phones buzzing in, like, stereo <laughs> through our different recording audio channels. Yeah, so... Uh, oh, boy. Cleo has distracted me momentarily from the <laughs> spiel, but getting back to it... In a moment of weakness. Oh, man. This podcast has just been, like, the Let's Throw Off Indigo episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta keep you on your rhythm. Oh. Keep you on your toes. Fuck. Okay. Can we just do this whole thing again? <laughs> No, never. No, never. I'm it's... locking it in. Executive decision. Uh... Well, that's who am I to supersede the decisions of um, our OSP overlords. Uh, yeah, baby. <laughs> this first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you would like to support the podcast, support the channel, head over to Patreon. There's a lot of cool membership tiers, cool rewards, extra content. You can help us keep the lights on and also have a chance for your question to be the first one read on the podcast. This comes from patron Rat Queen. Since the OS pod after this week's will be just before Thanksgiving, what are some things you are thankful for? I think this question is from last week, but what are some things uh, yeah. you will be 
thankful for this year? Well, it's it's very on topic since this is a, a question asked by one of our lovely patrons. Uh, three days ago was actually um, technically uh, November 19th has been Patreon's Thank You Patrons Day. I don't think they officially oh, yeah. did it this year, but it's still oh, like, ooh, I, in oops. my mind, it was Thank You Patrons <laughs> Day. So I am especially <laughs> thankful for um, our wonderful community of viewers, of, you know, audience members, of you know, people on our Discord, uh, people on our Patreon who just enjoy the work that we do. And through their enthusiasm and their generosity are able to help us not only do what we love to do, but also help us produce content that can entertain and educate other people because it's like it's a multi it's a multi-step thing so when when you guys are all so excited and you know supportive and encouraging of the work that we do it makes it you know all the the easier for us to continue making that kind of stuff so that other people can also have positive experiences and can you know learn about something you know just in time for an exam or or whatever it is so uh, we are thankful for um, all of you who are able to help us um, have such a, a wonderful career and community um, and be able to, to do work that is meaningful to people and helps them out and in ways big and small that, you know, we could never even begin to fully uh, quantify or qualify. That's both very sweet and way nicer than what I was going to say, which is that I'm thankful <laughs> this year is nearly over. <laughs> also valid. <laughs> I have been tired since March. I am just so done. I mean, I, I'm, you know, this, this year has gone weirdly well for us, but oh boy, there's a lot of things that I'm glad are ending soon. Yeah. Um, things yeah. I won't need to worry about in the, in the foreseeable future. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's Sorry. Valid. But yeah, yeah, love you patrons, but also, fuck, 2020, man, I swear to God. I think that can be a collective thing. Like, mm-hmm. I <laughs> I was speaking for OSP and Red was speaking for everyone. Humanity, yeah. <laughs> we gotta cover the whole spectrum uh, of exactly. things to be thankful for this year. This next question comes from Dem Stationary. For both, if you could pick a setting for a new Assassin's Creed game, where slash when would you? Space. Space? I want Assassin's Creed in space. That's a good one. Assassin's I, Creed Moonbase. My my pitch for an Assassin's Creed game is get rid of all this like wide open world countryside nonsense. I hate that stuff. This game is about <laughs> cities. Put it in a fucking city again. Here's my pitch though. We take a city that has a very long history. Say, you know, um, we could do, um, obviously London is an option. We could do Moscow. We could do um, uh, Tokyo and have the game take place in two or three distinct time settings that the player hops between. So we take advantage of the like animusness of it where we, wherever the game takes place, it's like there are three different time points where the game is happening. So it's like Paris in like the 1100s when, you know, there's like crusading nonsense happening and like the Templars are out in full force and then like hard cut to like French Renaissance, like 15, 1600s. And then the last setting is like Belle Epoque, like, you know, late 18, early 1900s. It's like kind of what they did with the Animus Rifts, but like make that the game. That would be the coolest shit. And I am so you know, on board with that. You could do, you know, China would be a great candidate for that because it has a a long history of a lot of stuff going on over there. You could do like early Roman times. You could go to like the medieval period when like there was the Reconquista going on and like all of like the kind of like Western edge of the world's like stuff uh, in in, like the Umayyad Caliphate and and Cordoba and all that nonsense. Um, And you could jump like way into like prime, like fighting against the French, you know, empire kind of dealio. There there could be so much cool stuff in all the different parts of the world if you just set it over a wide span of time and see how the environments change and evolve. That's my pitch. That I actually think would be a really cool game. And I know that Ubisoft will never go for it. (laughs) 
Well, I think my Assassin's Creed Moonbase Alpha idea is very, very plausible. <laughs> I think that Templars on the Moon is the best idea because you know that not only would they go like full whole hog insanity, they'd make it so the Templars have been on the moon for thousands of years. Oh yeah, I, we'd the have other like an ancient moon temple. Is that my friend Lawson from the uh, from the Hookblade podcast, which I was a guest yeah. on uh, a couple months ago? He sure. had a pitch for a Bioshock game, which is you know we've had underwater, we've had in the clouds. His pitch was Soviet moon base. That was his yes. pitch for a Bioshock mm, game. That would yes. rule. So anyway, Ooh. yeah. Bioshock, dark side of the They're moon. Never gonna get done. <laughs> awesome. Lots of good video games coming out of the OS pod. Uh, this next one comes from, oh God, how do I pronounce this? Fjadragon, I think. Where would you build your secret lair and what traps would you fill it with? Definitely Ooh. not on the moon. <laughs> 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 Why would you even accuse me of such a thing? How ridiculous <laughs> that would be. I, hmm. Where would you Flying build piranhas. a secret base? Well, in Carmen San Diego, Vile has a castle in northern Scotland, and their original Ooh. base was in the Canary Islands. Those are both great options. I feel like you oh, have yeah. to have it like just slightly remote from somewhere that's like a big nexus. So you know, macro, uh, there are a lot of considerations there. I think you could make a really compelling base like somewhere in the Indian Ocean or like on like any of those coastlines because there's like a lot of like easy access to you know some really really like big um big places um but also like building into a mountain old hat seen yep. about a million times what you could do is like take over an abandoned like mine and just retrofit it with all the evil shit you'll ever need because they did <laughs> have the work for you and everyone's yeah. like oh that's the abandoned mine whoever does anything in abandoned mines secret organizations i mean you hmm. really need to shore it up abandoned mines are huge hazards um and, you know, airflow is a, is a tricky thing. This is why I think you need a secret flying base or one on the moon. Mm. You know, really solve all those atmosphere <laughs> problems by just not having any. Just get like a Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, honestly, Zeppelin base is like my other. Like if I have to stay on Earth, Zeppelin base is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm team old gothic castle that's long been abandoned. Like, I just let me live out my best, like, Dracula secret base life. Because everyone's going to oh, be scared yeah. away of just the ambiance of the castle already. So you can have some really nice setups in there. There's no trespassers. So if you're looking for any of the OSP crew, you know where not to look for us now. (laughs) Uh, This next question. Don't be silly. (laughs) Don't go to the moon to find Red. I guess is the takeaway from the episode. (laughs) Yeah, you better not. (laughs) Watch out. Moon piranhas have not been fed in weeks. Anyway, (laughs) this next question comes from uh, Discord user Lily. To both, what is your favorite thing about working with the other person? Oh, well, that's a really, really sweet, sweet question. I wish I was awake enough to use the rest of my brain so I could formulate a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know. You're just like really sweet and reliable and, and well, you do you. really fun work and we have a lot of interests in common. So we have a lot of really fun conversations and it's just a yeah. delight. Yeah, no, that, that's yeah. that. That is a, a, a very warm and fuzzy answer, and I appreciate that a lot. I feel like I, I, I've said before elsewhere that you are just so insanely talented at basically everything that you do and it's it it is it it borders between like impressive and terrifying um so i think that's definitely um something but i I think you care so much about the work you do and you always try to make it as good as you possibly can to the point where like you know in most of your videos like anyone else probably would have stopped like at probably 70 percent of of what like you end up doing so there are so many videos that are 
so well made with you know very in-depth scripts that are you know longer than you know people would have written them because like oh I, I don't need to talk about that and you're like no I need to give context I need to do this right <laughs> damn it so <laughs> you, you often you know uh, give yourself more work because you want to make it the best that you can and I really respect that because poor old me I'm like oh god how am I gonna get this done <laughs> <laughs> no. but yeah I, I think that is a, uh, a uh, thing that I really admire about uh, about working with you thank you Oh, that was very really soft. Sweet. That was so oh. sweet. <laughs> uh, well, now now we're all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> this next question comes from Kimchi. So, Blue, I'm studying for a history exam right now. Ooh. My teacher is great, and I really like learning from him. Your videos are great, and I really like learning from them as well. But reading history texts? That makes me want a non-advertiser-friendly expletive. How do you motivate ah. yourself to go through walls of texts, or do you generally not have a problem with that? That is a very good question because I think I, I appreciate that you said like, you know, your videos are great. They help me out. My teacher is great. You know, he helps me out because it is very nice to have a teacher who is helpful to you um, and whom you, you click with and you really feel like you can learn from. That's that's huge. And I'm you know very happy for you that, that you're in that situation because a lot of people are in a spot where they just, you know, they've got nothing. Their teacher doesn't care or it just it, the, the relationship doesn't work. So just for one, I'm really glad about that, um, and that's a really you know good spot to be in. But on the subject of texts, um, and Red, I think you can contribute to this as well because you mm. read through very dense works of you know not history but of of, of literature, of mythology, you know of all kinds of stuff. I think yeah. one of the things is to know what you're going to get out of it. So if you just jump into a text blindly and just kind of start reading and hope that something clicks, you will probably have a pretty bad time. But if you can go into a work with a hook and trying to look out for something, you can steer yourself a little bit in, in a positive direction and, and, and read with intentionality rather than jumping in and then flailing around trying to find something that catches you. So before you, you know, you, you read, I, I would try to say like, get an understanding of what the work is overall, make a plan and, and understand a little bit going in of, of what you want to look for, what might be the sections that really don't click, click with you. So you can be like, all right, you know, steal myself, maybe skim a little bit more than you would otherwise, but um, having a plan um, and reading with purpose, um, whether it's it's, you know, finding one thing that you want to look out for, like, oh, I'm reading about, you know, Roman history, I'm gonna really pay attention to, like, the decisions that the generals made, or I'm really gonna try to focus on, like, how the, the economic situation was impacting so-and-so. Like, reading for something will will help you a lot to try and focus yourself and, and, and not just feel like, eh, but, yep. um, yeah, that, that's probably what I would contribute to that. Yeah, I, I think my approach is quite similar, uh, although the way I think of it is a little bit different. For me, if I have something to connect the information to, uh, then I can get through almost anything, no matter how dry mm. and poorly written it is. Because as long as I have a place that I'm putting that information or, or a big picture that I'm building out of it, every piece of information yeah. there is useful. Whereas if someone just plops a book in front of me and tells me to read it, I will be able to theoretically, but I will want to die every step of the way and I might never yeah. forgive the person who gave me the book. So, but you know, like when I'm, when I'm researching something, it's all about building the big picture. And if you're trying to build the big picture or even just in a more basic level, if I'm trying to write a script or like take notes and, 
and form a coherent narrative of how I want to talk about this thing. Sometimes that's enough of just a big picture for me to be able to connect all these disparate and potentially very boring pieces of information into. Like, it's about transforming the information rather than just absorbing it, because I, I am not the kind of person who can just sit down and absorb the information in a book, but if I am transforming it in a way that makes it easier for me to understand, then I can get through it, even though I have zero attention span and no control over what I can uh, pay attention to at any given moment. Yeah. 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 I think there's a difference between passively just receiving the words that the text is chucking at you and actively like digging through and working to take the information that's in there and synthesizing it into something else. So building towards something, whether from, from my perspective or for the way that Red described it, is definitely what you want to be working for. Yeah. So I, I hope that helps. And ultimately, <laughs> at the end of the day, reading old books is often a slog, no matter how you slice it. But I hope that our advice mm -hmm. can be of, of, of some practical use to you. Yeah, yeah. This next question comes from Fallen Spiral. Dear OSP, do you call each other by the colors outside of the podcast or videos? Usually not, I think. Usually not. <laughs> Sometimes in conversation, I will just like instinctively refer to red as red. Just because sometimes it's like, oh, like, what if I'm in a live stream? What if I'm recording something? So I have like the <laughs> reflex of like, I'll always go by code names. Um, but no, usually we, we call each other by our names. Sometimes if, if Red's really mad at me, she'll call me by, by my full name, uh, Blue Cerulean. And that's how I really know that I fucked up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. A real thing that yeah. has definitely happened. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. To totally a, a, a real thing. Not to be confused with my, my evil brother, Azul. He is just like me, except he has a mustache and is Spanish somehow. Yes. <laughs> Separated uh, at birth. Raised yeah. by Spanish aristocrats. <laughs> so you're like, like long lost twins? Slash mirror mm. universe clones. I feel yeah. like I've retconned it a few accurate. times. Like it keeps <laughs> changing whenever he shows up. <laughs> All right. We'll have to keep an eye out for him on the pod to make sure he doesn't uh, make any unexpected appearances. No, my Spanish accent isn't that good. You don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> Which means we should worry if it ever suddenly improves. Sorry, oh, no. did I pull back the curtain too far? <laughs> <laughs> the fourth wall is quaking. Yeah. Oh. This question, I, you know, we've we've talked a few times on the podcast about the infamous OSP movie, and I think it's every once in a while we should return to it. So this question is going to be about the OSP movie. We've we've cast it. Um, we've we've established what our pitch is. Bfly One asks for both the OSP movie was a big hit, and a big movie company asks you to make a sequel. What is the plot? What is oh, our no. OSP movie sequel? As a quick oh, refresher, geez. again, we are. Uh, we're doing the time heist. We've assembled our expert crew to go back in time to save things from the library of Al save the library of Alexandria, I believe, from Cleo yeah. knocking over a candle was the ultimate impetus of the plot. Um, I believe we've so. got our whole got a little crew convoluted. figured out. It got, it got yeah. a little twisty. Okay, so what I'm thinking is because in the first movie we established this whole ensemble cast. We we show how they all interact with each other. We we really get a feel for their characters. This gives us mm -hmm. a ton of potential for the second movie, where, because we already have the established characters, we can just let them play off of each other. I think if we just drop mm -hmm. those guys into a fun situation, we will have a guaranteed hit, no matter yeah. what the premise is. Like, That's now that true. we've already yeah. got, you That's know, fair. our, our heist crew, we've got Sun Wukong, we've got, we've got the, the rest of the Journey to the West crew, we've just got everybody on call, we just need to bring them back together again. So, let's see. What kind of inciting incident could we have? Let's see. I, Maybe I, since we have, like, our kind of not antagonist, but our B-plot from the previous movie in the we've accidentally kidnapped Chipotaka and now Sun Wukong is after us. 
what <laughs> if we have uh, our inciting incident be based in their sphere there? So we, we kind of dip into the journey to the west. I'm trying to think of like a good Aha! incident in Journey to the West. Well, it's easy. Bad news, guys. Tripatak <laughs> has been kidnapped and not by one of the usual crew. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. We don't know where he yeah, went. We Maybe he's on the moon or something. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Oh, so this some, is like, all mysterious to figure, to <laughs> like some mysterious figure wrapped in shadow, like teleports into the middle of Journey to the West, kidnaps Tripitaka and bounces. And then instead of like going back to one point in time to try and save the Library of Alexandria, the crew has to go across time to find out who uh... stole Tripitaka and where they are. It's like a yes. mystery. Yeah. Yes. yes. And the bad so guy's it, probably it, that, it like, flips the time. premise, and that way it doesn't have the same thing of, like, oh, what are we gonna, mm-hmm. like, what one point in time are we gonna go back to this time? No, 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 no. We're, we're time hopping, baby. We're going yeah. all over trying to make this work. This is good, mm-hmm. too, because it, it, it makes it more of a character drama. See, the thing, like, my, mm-hmm. my theory on sequels is, like, if the first movie tells uh, a broader Save the World story, your sequel should tell something different, whether that's, like, an interpersonal drama as the center of the story, or, you know, maybe... It's a prequel, so then it's the gang getting together. You gotta, you gotta switch up what your story is, and we're doing that yeah. here with the hmm. focus shifting from Alexandria is burning to Tripitaka is lost. Um, yeah, but now it's just who who kidnaps Tripitaka is the real question. Who kidnapped Tripitaka? Yeah, who it's would tricky. be so bold as to kidnap Tripitaka, and who would be so dumb as to think that it would help them? I well, almost I think, think it has we... to be one of the OSP crew, because if we're assembling the heist team, then only one of our greatest enemies could also have that time travel technology, right? I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's one way to do it, but that, that might also make a really good uh, red herring, as it were. Um, <laughs> Ooh. But it's just like, I, I feel like it should be it should be someone... Who, who makes sense it, with the crew that we've already established, like somebody who'd have a grudge or would want to play people against each other. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the y- you can tell where my head's at because my first thing was like, hey, wasn't there like a time-traveling Yu-Gi-Oh villain? We should just get that guy. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, there was, well, half of Yu-Gi-Oh, they were t- we, don't, we should probably not have No, from, from the movie. From, from the, from oh, the so season, oh, season zero. Right. No, 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 no. Um, no, because no, 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 Kaiba has that one scene where he flies in a jet that looks like a blue eyes white dragon, and it plays the song "You're Not Me" in the background. It's that one scene that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking yeah. about the movie Bonds Beyond Time, where all three Yu-Gi-Oh protagonists team up to duel a bad guy made up specifically for the movie from the even farther <laughs> future. Well, okay, hey. so so for the thing, I am thinking of, of yes, the crew yeah. that we have. Yeah. It, I feel like it should be one of their antagonists from their own story. Right. Who, who comes in to ruffle some right. feathers. So, you Brutus. know, we've got, uh, we, we could have, it's like... Brutus. It, it, it's Brutus. <laughs> yeah, it's Brutus. Brutus. Yeah, it's Brutus. <laughs> so we can have the Brutus. Etu Brute thing. Because that means yeah. that we get to team up with oh, yeah. the bad guy from the first movie. We need to go and yeah. call on Julius Caesar. Because oh, yeah. all that roads start leading to Rome! Rome! All roads lead to oh. Rome! Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, so we have our subtitle. So it's OSB Time Heist, colon, all roads lead all to roads Rome. All roads lead to Rome! <laughs> Exquisite. Okay. Oh, we can set it up we like Caesar it. is the villain again, but actually it's been Brutus this whole time. Yeah, oh, and like it. we use we like clever framing, so so he's always like saying ominous things, but once we learn that it's <laughs> not him, they all have perfectly innocent explanations. No, oh. you see, I was just um, banging Cleopatra, <laughs> perfectly innocuous. <laughs> <laughs> or like he, he just he, everything he says comes out villainous. He's like. Don't yeah. worry. When this is over, you'll get exactly what you deserve. But he actually means like riches and like acclaim. Yeah, like one of those boxes <laughs> of like mystery chocolates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I, I, I think we, we have we have gold for this film. We we have yeah. struck gold yet again. 
Catch us in like six podcasts when we talk about OSP Time Heist 3. Yeah. There have been, we've got a number of OSP Time Heist questions. I see them. I see them in Discord. To quote BDG, uh, they come to me in my nightmares like a prophet receiving visions from an angry god. Uh, We'll get to as many of them as we can, but I'm trying to parse them out over the podcast. But I think the sequel is off to a a roaring start with our, our Brutus trick out. Now I just want to watch that movie. I'm mad this doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, why can't I just think really hard and physically manifest all the, all my creations so I can watch them without having to do the work of making them? 10 the million subscribers special. <laughs> oh, don't, don't. We're going to forget. <laughs> and then in like 30 years. Oh, no. But Red, the internet never forgets. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Q&A. Thank you guys so much for listening. Red, you want to take us out? Oh, Lord. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I'll just pull (laughs) up my, yeah, the thing that I I definitely have right here. (coughs) Thank you so much for listening. And if you want more of that sweet, sweet OSP content, go check out our channel on YouTube. And if you want to ask a question for the next pod, you can follow the link in the description to ask the, no, wait, to the Ask OS Pod channel on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured on air. Until next time, I have been Red. I have been Blue. And this has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on December 9th with more potty goodness, and if you enjoyed the show, please consider rating us five stars and leaving a review. And if you want to continue to support OSP, don't be a loner. Head over to Patreon to join the wonderful community of folks helping keep the lights on. Got a question for the pod? Jump into the Ask OS Pod channel on Discord, link in the description below, to leave your question for a chance to be featured on a future episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast.